Drug addiction, prison, domestic abuse, mental illness, lack of affordable health care, all factors that contribute to homelessness. Combine these with low income, and you've got a recipe for the approximately 3 million homeless men, women, and children in the state of Missouri. Six to 7,000 of those being in St. Louis City or County. And while many perhaps are sympathetic toward individuals living on the street, too often we pass people by, questioning their motives, creating their story in our minds. Someone else will help, right? But do we stop to help? Today, we get to share the story of a man who refuses to stop helping. Feeding the body and the soul is Otis. Inspiring you to be the hands. Empowering you to be the feet. Strengthening you to be the heart of Christ for others. Action. 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 In ministry. Hi. I'm Rachel Legute. Do you ever see a person or meet someone you just know you've got to get to know? Their passion, their fervor for life, their energy is infectious. We want to introduce you to Otis. He's got a unique name, and he's a unique guy with an extraordinary purpose among the homeless in St. Louis. I have a feeling you're going to love him and love what he's doing even more. Meet Otis Woodard. Okay, so first of all, Otis, I have to tell you that I knew your father, but I'm going to let you tell the story of how you got your name and what the connection and significance is of it to your family. Well, hello. My name is Otis Woodard, and thank you very much for having me today. Um, My family is from the South, actually, my father's side of the family, and they were raised in Alabama, and he actually came from where they had slaves at, so— they would sell off some of the children, and some of the children would get misplaced. And my great-great-grandfather decided that he didn't want his children to be misplaced anymore, so he decided he was going to name them all Otis Woodard. And it's carried on for about six generations now, and my children are six-generation Otis Woodards. Oh, my goodness. That's an incredible story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you said you mentioned your father, and um, your dad was a legend, right? He has quite an exhaustive list of accomplishments. He was a veteran. Uh, a civil rights activist marching alongside Martin Luther King Jr., a peace crusader, an ordained minister. And I I just learned that he even inspired a Hollywood film. That's right. And I can remember as a child, Otis would go around and talk to schools and talk about, uh, your father would talk about the work that he was doing. and, And he would walk in and he had this presence, and he'd walk in in his colorful clothing and all of his beads around his neck, and and I would just—he was captivating. And then he'd get out his ukulele, and he'd mm-hmm. sing in his deep voice. He's got the whole world in his hand. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and people could not take their eyes off of him. Like, he—it was such a big deal. Did you know that your father was a big deal? Well, actually, it's been my whole life. Ever since I was born, he's been doing the work that— he's been doing here in St. Louis. And it started actually before I was born. So actually, yeah, um, I've been with him on a lot of trips where he's went to different churches to speak and I've seen the impact that he's made face-to-face and there's nothing like it. What are some of your memories of your father? Well, first of all, his smile and his laugh and just being at home and him being a dad before any of that. You know, he was such an excellent father to all of his children. He had many, many children. He was an impact to all our lives just as well as he was impacting the people who he helped on the street. And I just remember how much he loved life and he loved God. And that was just very important to him in all aspects of his life. Right. How did your dad get immersed into helping the homeless community in St. Louis? 
Well, where he was born at in Birmingham, Alabama, there was a lot of turmoil in society, you know, and there were people who were being neglected and ignored, and he decided that he wanted to be a help to those people in any way that he could. And it's been a whole struggle through his whole life to deal with that, you know, through the uh, through the movement and through everything else that happened over all the years. He kept his faith in God and knew that hate would only bring us down and the love would keep us together. And he wanted to make that part of his life. So when he came here to St. Louis after Martin Luther King got killed, he decided that he wanted to carry that legacy on. And he fell in with the Lutheran churches and they so happened to get him involved and got him a job as a janitor. And he told them if he ever accumulated enough money, he was going to buy a house and he would put a table on the side of that house and whatever extra that he had for himself, he would just put outside for people who were in his position then. Homeless, you know. And he actually followed up on the words that he spoke to them. He saved his money and he bought a house right on Bissell and Strobman, right by Grand the 20th. And at the time, I believe it was only for $1,500 or 15000 It was one of the two. But it was real cheap. And it was a three-story house. And it was huge. But he bought the house and he had his family there. And he put the table out on the side of it. And he shared the love of God with many, many people. And the churches heard that he actually did it, and they came through and spread the love with him. And it became a very big deal. And out of that came uh, Peace Park, right? That's right. And there's Peace Park. Can you tell us um, maybe first what is Peace Park and maybe also how it works? Okay. Well, Peace Park is actually um, a whole city block in North St. Louis and one of the um, most ran down struggling areas in all of St. Louis. There's a lot of people there who need help and it's just a block where they could come and they could get food, clothes, they could get soap, deodorant or anything else they need to survive out on the streets or even in their homes because there's people who live in houses and need help as well. And they could come there and get anything that they want absolutely free, no charge, all because of the love of God and because what people come there to share with us or things that we go pick up from people and bring there to share with others. And it's just so beautiful how that works. There's not many places where you could go and just receive blessings without people drilling you and coming down on top of you and asking you a million questions. Like, of course, we do question people and ask what's going on with their lives, but we don't judge them or give them a check sheet. You have to do this, this, and this before you can receive our services. We just give the love and pass the love to people, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, like a safe place to be, a sanctuary for for maybe people who are living on the street. Definitely. Um, does it go deeper than caring for the physical needs? Does it get into any of that um, caring for the spiritual side of, of people's lives as well? It most definitely does because a lot of those people that we help, they haven't ever heard of, you know, the love of God. And even if they have, they haven't got to experience to experience it firsthand. And, you know, when they come there, they see these things and they they think, oh, I'm going to have to pay, you know, to get some of this stuff. But when they walk up to the table, they realize that it's just there in the open and they can just grab it. It's there for them to have because of the love of God. And that's just, you can't really give a better example than that, you know, and people see that firsthand. It's a real life thing you have right in front of you. So they get to experience God's love firsthand, and they get to take that home with them, and that carries with them through their whole life. They never forget they got to come here for a blanket. They got to come here for a can of food when nobody else will help them, you know, and that's all because of the love of God. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, I'm sure you get asked about your father all the time. Yes, I do. Um, But I want to know— 
maybe how his work inspired you and why you choose to carry on this legacy of serving um, the homeless population in North City? Well, you know, just growing up in that household and seeing all the people who came there to receive help, it was very humbling because just being there, you would see all these boxes of things coming. And as a child, you don't realize, you know, what this is all about. You just think that you have a lot of stuff. <laughs> right. You know, I didn't think that my father was the guy who he was until I got a little older and started going with him to the churches and seeing what it was and why we had all those things sitting there at the house, why they were there. You know, it wasn't our things. It was things that we share with people. So being materialistic and, you know, wanting for things, that never was a big part of my life. And sharing with people, that's always been a part of my life. My father installed that in me from the time I was young. You know, because that's what he did, and that's what he believed in, that we're not supposed to be greedy. We're not supposed to, like, okay, say I got a, a chicken I, I made, and I come outside, and I've got my first share of my chicken, but I want to go have me a second plate. But somebody comes up to me and asks, oh, I haven't eaten all day. Would you please help me with anything that you had? I would feel it's only right for me to not keep that for myself. And some people don't see it that way. Some people just want to take everything for themselves and, and not share that love. But at Lutheran Outreach, and I'm sure here at Lutheran Outreach Ministries as well, we're all about sharing the love and spreading the love of God. And that's what we're about. Yeah, that it was ingrained in you at such a young age that it's just something that it was in like a natural course of your life. Yes. You just keep that's, it doing just, it. It kept flowing. My father was doing this his whole life, and it rolled over through all of his children. And— me, myself, personally, he took me to the Million Man March with him. He went to many, many different churches and many different schools when I was young and took me there with him. And I got to see the crowd and see all those faces and how they were responding. And as I grew up, I saw them coming back and telling my father how it impacted them. And it, and it directly affected me in my heart. And it made me feel this warm love, you know, this compassion for, for human beings, no matter what color we are, no matter where we're from, no matter how low we sink, you know, there's always God. God is always here with us. And my father definitely installed that in me. And I just wanted to make sure that after he passed away, that it wouldn't be gone from the face of this earth. What he did, it mattered to so many people. Some people wouldn't even be around right now if it wasn't for the food that they got through his ministry. Right. You know, they would be dead. And that's very powerful. They might have had children that are grown now, and they're here directly because of the love of God. And I can't, you know, I can't just let that disappear. So I decided no matter what's going on in my life, no matter how much I have to work or what I have to do, that's always going to continue. Keep it going. Yeah. Yeah, that's, there, there are so many assumptions about the homeless population or people who are living on the street um, for a time being. But the causes of homelessness can be really complex. The, the, the causes of people falling on hard times can be really complex. Addiction, mental illness, domestic abuse. Um, and, and experts will tell you that things like recovering from addiction, living with and coping with mental illness, getting out of an abusive situation, these are all things that take a lot of time and a lot of support um, to get out of. And when the right support isn't there, um, that then people end up with, with nothing. And sometimes they end up on the street and they're dependent upon others. And I think it's great that that there are people and places um, like you and your father and Peace Park um, where people can go to find 
support in their time of need. Um, and you said something, too, about, about humanity there. And I've always felt that um, it's important to remember the humanity in individuals we, we meet, right? That, that um, they're not defined by, um, by necessarily their situation, but they're, they're humans first. Absolutely. Um, and that real people have real stories mm-hmm. to tell. And I was just wondering if you could tell us, um, tell us maybe a story of, of a person who's impacted you that you've come into contact with because of your work um, in the city. There's many, many people who have ran across through the course of my life because, you know, there's just so many people who struggle on the streets. But there's quite a few who stand out in my mind. And there's one woman, I don't even know her whole entire name because I was just a little child. When I was younger, my father had a house where he let battered and abused pregnant women stay. And it was right next door to our house. So we were literally living with these women. They were all right there and we saw their struggle. And she was getting beat up, beat up on by her guy. And she had been abused to the point where she almost died. And she came to my father for help, and he gave her a place to stay. He gave her food. He gave her job core, you know, so she would have somewhere to to start with her career, what she wanted to do after she had the baby. And she ended up having that child, and she went through job core. She graduated, and then she followed through and went to college. And she got her degree, and she became a principal of a school in North St. Louis. And she came back regularly to check on my father, to see what was going on, to bring things that she had bought to help people that were in her position. You know, so it goes full circle. You know, the love of God definitely, it builds people and it strengthens people. It gives people hope. And she had hope when she came there. You know, when she got away from that situation that she was in, she realized that there is somebody who loves me no matter what. God loves me, you know, and that's very powerful. She was moved for her whole life to, to do better things. And getting to see the outcomes. You don't always get to see the follow-up of things, but um, that's that's incredible. Okay, we're going to change topics for a second. I want to talk STL. Yes. I'm a St. Louis girl. I grew up in North County. And yes, I could, yes. I could get to your dad's house on autopilot as a teenager, but um, real talk— Let's be honest, there's unfortunately some stigma mm-hmm. that's associated with uh, North City. And uh, what what's up with the fear associated with going into North City? What's up with that? Where do you think that comes from? Well, unfortunately, there are a lot of bad individuals, you know, but there's just more around in that area because it's so poor. All the major outlets are gone from up there, so people just don't have any hope. And they're struggling to survive. So, unfortunately, that means that they're killing each other to do that, you know. And that's in a lot of our major cities, though. It's not just St. Louis. It's a lot of our cities, but just in that neighborhood in particular, it just happens to be really, really bad. Sure. Should What do you think? Should people be afraid to come in and drop off things or, or, no. or partner with you in what no, you're no, doing? No, no, no. They shouldn't be afraid to come there at all because everybody who's there, there's not so many people, like, moving there, mm-hmm. you know. The people who are there, they've been there for years and years, and they seen my father, they know who my father was, and they know about Peace Park. And, you know, every now and then things do happen, but they're not going to hurt the people who are coming there to help them. You know, they want those people to keep coming. So they're not going to close that door by going out the way and trying to hurt them. They know our name, they know our presence, and they know we're there. They know God stands there with us, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, right in the middle of everything is Peace Park, this mm-hmm. come-as-you-are kind of place to come come have the sanctuary and be be helped in the way that you need it. Yeah. Um, but 
But you don't do this all alone, do you? People no. come alongside of you to help. And um, yes. Lutheran Hour Ministry does it too. I know that um, we're working right now on this project of providing meals. And mm-hmm. um, I have to tell you that this is a really, really well-loved uh, project at Lutheran Hour yes. Ministry. There's a lot of like, let's make sandwiches. Let's do this. <laughs> let's collect dental and hygiene kits and um, socks, coats, blankets, that kind of stuff. And um, I think some of the energy behind it comes because of the energy and the love that you you have for the project as well. So like that that feeds into the energy that other people have to to partner with you. Definitely. Um, in that. And I guess I wonder how crucial is it for you to get that outside support? How important is it? Well, it is of the utmost importance because if we weren't getting that support from from groups like you or just even individuals that decide to come along and help. Every little bit matters. And we can't do that ourselves. I can't physically go and purchase everything to help all those people that need help. Without this, there would be nothing to share. There would literally be nothing to share. I would have the scraps off my table, but I would definitely share that with with everybody else. And and that's what matters, you know, that we're continuing this on. And with you all support, we're just able to help so many more people. You would just be surprised. Like, if you come to the table, you won't just see people sitting there unless they're, like, sleep or they're not just waiting on stuff to appear. But when it does appear, they come. And when they come, the love is spread and it goes around so, so far. We stretch it out to so many people, you know, and it's just... Very important that we keep this continuing. I love that, too, about every little bit helps, right? Like, what Mm -hmm. you have is important. Mm -hmm. If it's a little bit to share, it's still a little bit to share. It's still a little bit to share. Yeah. I mean, I was already a believer in what you're doing when you walked into the door. You didn't have to convince me at all. (laughs) Um, But maybe um, somebody here is uh, listening in, um, and they're hearing your story for the first time. They're hearing about Peace Park for the first time, um, and they're moved by it. And, Mm -hmm. And maybe they're feeling compelled to help. How can they help? How can we help? Well, uh, right now, we're actually in need of socks, underwear, thermal, underclothes, or just things to keep warm with. Not clothing in general, but just like gloves and hats, blankets, and things like that. We're definitely in need of that. And food above anything else. Because if you don't have any food in your belly, you can't even get dressed. You know, you might just pass away before you even get a chance to put your clothes on. So food is what we need the most before anything else. Things that have long shelf life or cereals or just things that you can easily open and eat without having any utensils or any hardware to cook or anything like that. Because a lot of people we help are on the streets Mm -hmm. and they have to make fire or crack a can open with a rock, you know, to get to the food. So those are the situations that we're dealing with. So anything that you could... Put forth even one can good. If you help one person, you're doing God's work. You know, if you if you feed one belly, you're making a difference. And if we can help hundreds of people, then that's even better. So just anything that you all can help with, please spread the love. Please spread the word of what we're doing. Well, Otis, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us today. Thank you for your service, and thank you for showing us um, how you put your faith into action you have inspired me today. Your father inspired me as a child. Your story inspires me today. Thank you for taking the time and sharing it with us. Well, thank you very much for having me, and God bless you. And I just want to say to everybody who's reached out over these years that we're still here, and we're not going to stop. I'm not going to let this go away, and I appreciate your time so much. It's so valuable. Thank you so much, Otis. Yes, thank you as well. And now it's your turn. 
Jesus didn't say, hear my words and be moved by it, sit back and wait for someone else to love their neighbor. No, the Bible says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Maybe helping the homeless is not your passion like it is for Otis, but there's something that is. What's waiting for you? That's Action and Ministry Today. Thank you for listening. I'm Rachel Legute, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Action in Ministry. We'd love to hear how you and your church are ministering to your community. To submit ideas for this podcast, visit our website, lhm.org forward slash action, and send us an email.